Today, we're going to be speaking with a sales leader and a sales coach who has worked across industries from deep dives into arts to venture back tech, even into professional services. And she is one of the most enthusiastic sales champions you're ever going to meet. You're really going to enjoy this interview. Stay tuned. Welcome to Seller's Journey, the podcast where we speak to great sales reps and leaders and share their real stories from start to sales success. Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Fung, and today I'm joined by Jordana Zeldin. Jordana, how are you doing? Good, Joseph. How are you? Really good. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Well, so glad that we're getting a chance to chat because we love that uh, the the impact you're having, the work you've done, and getting a chance to share it in this podcast. It's such a delight. So thank you. I'm excited. So to help our, our audience, uh, maybe you could start with the basics. Where, where are you calling it from? So I, good question. I'm calling in from just outside of Hudson, New York. I live in this 1930s farmhouse and uh, I'd been in the city for about 15 years. And after I had my son, decided it was time to get some trees and cows in our life. So I'm in the middle of nowhere. And when we, when we introduce our guests, we, we often anchor in kind of the where they are, what they're doing. Uh, and I understand from our last conversation, you're kind of at a point where you're deciding what's next. Uh, can you share a little bit about what you've been doing recently and how you're seeing the future right now? Absolutely, absolutely. So actually, as of this week, I just moved on from a position as a sales coach at a really, really wonderful company, uh, training sales training company called Sales Gym. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, we were we were hit hard by COVID and um you know, we had some amazing, amazing, you know, clients that we were working with and training engagements that just, you know, out of necessity, these these companies needed to put them on pause. And as a result, we as a company, and I know we're not alone, we're just not really able to to weather the storm, at, at least in the in the kind of form that that we had been taking mm-hmm. for so long. So the founding team, they're they're going their separate ways. And as a result, I am now a, really a, a free agent trying to figure out you know, exactly where I'm going to do, do my coaching, be it as part of another organization on an enablement team or, or even with a solo consultancy. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I wanted to start with that comment because although it's the most recent, so maybe you could say it's the, the end of your journey for now, I, I think it's an important one to start with because as we often speak with sales leaders and sales professionals that are looking at new adventures. And I think our audience will be able to empathize with what you're experiencing. And I think the the calmness, the the big picture view, and the optimism that <laughs> you express every time we chat is just so infectious. So thank you for setting such a great example and for, for sharing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, uncertainty is going to be a part of any journey. And this just happens to be a moment that is rife with uncertainty across the board in so many industries. So I figure that if I could bring a, a human voice, face to that, you know, give it some color and, and share my perspective going through that, that hopefully that could be, you know, valuable, inspirational, helpful for people who are listening. This is great. So that, that's a great segue into to digging right into the story. So let's start a little bit earlier. You studied, uh, not sales, 
uh, and you studied in two vastly different geographies. So can you share us a little bit about, you know, what and where did you study? Yeah. So so growing up, you know, in lower school, middle school, high school, I was convinced that I wanted to be an actor. Um, and, you know, I was heavily involved in, in theater growing up. And and then I decided to apply to my, well, at the time was my dream school, you know, NYU, Tisch School of the Arts, audition, mm-hmm. got in. And wow. spent the first year, you know, in their studio program training, you know, trained to be an actor, also a director, and, you know, realized pretty soon after I started that though I loved the theater, that the life of an actor was just too hard. <laughs> that, that as much, you know, that as much as I loved, you know, embodying these characters and telling these stories, just the, the practical day to day, I think was more than I was really willing to to commit. So mm. I took a year off, um, moved back home to Providence, Rhode Island, you know, worked at a movie theater, worked. So I actually sold futons at a futon store, which I realized was really the genesis <laughs> of my sales career. And then I decided that I was going to um, go to school in England. And I had fallen in love with uh, movies. I was working in a movie theater and found this interesting program called Film and American Studies. At a, at a university called the University of East Anglia in Norwich, England, which is a very you know really small city on the on the coast of England, and that's that you know that's where I that's where I got my degree. And um, you know throughout school, I was back into directing theater and started to hit my stride there. And eventually decided to move back to New York City with the goal not of being an actor, but of of coming back as a theater director. And so that's what brought wow. me back to the States. Yeah. So I love the vision, the direction, and you stayed true to the arts for, for many years. Uh, Artbridge, your own representation services. Can you tell us a bit? You know, how did you, uh, how deep did you go in the arts industry? I, I went deep, although it's funny, you know, I moved, segued from the performing arts into the fine arts, um, tripped and fell, and this is a whole you know story for another podcast, into running a nonprofit arts organization in New York City that was wow. really dedicated to providing direction and exposure opportunities for emerging artists looking to get their work seen. So I ran that organization. I was mentoring young artists, um, you know, running professional development workshops, eventually opened up the organization's gallery. I was curating their exhibitions. And I loved the the relationship that I developed with these artists, you know, learning about their work, spending time in their studios that I decided to then go on to to, to artist representation, which is really almost like, you know, it's like an agent for for visual mm-hmm. artists. And I was helping to find exhibition opportunities for them, um, placing their work in prominent collections. And and you know, that that's really the direction that I imagined I would continue going in until Artsy came along. So that's a, a great tee up because everything you've you've told me so far, I hear the story of someone who loves the arts, loves theater, loves the fine arts, is building a network and more influence in this space. I mean, representing somebody as an as an agent that this all paints a very different picture. Getting into tech and sales feels like a ninety degree turn. How how did this happen? You know, so it you know it does and and doesn't when when you kind of learn about what Artsy was and did and, and the stage that it was at in its development. So, you know, in brief, Artsy, and it still exists, is a, you know, a venture-backed tech company with a mission to make all the worlds accessible to anyone with an internet connection. And in really practical terms, for what I was doing as one of the first B2B sales hires, it was inviting galleries to showcase 
um, their artists and exhibitions on our platform so that they could be connected with a global network of collectors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, early on, the team was just looking for people who with domain expertise, who, mm-hmm. kn- who knew the art world, who felt at ease, you know, speaking with gallerists, who could speak the language, who understood the concerns. And I mean, Joseph, I had no hard sales skills to speak of. Our whole team did, <laughs> you know, when we joined, but we were passionate about art and excited and enthused and, you know, curious, kind people. And that was really the, you know, my inadvertent entree into, into B2B sales. Okay. I love this because we hear this story, you know, all the time. Someone's got a, a domain expertise. They know the buyer, they know the industry and they want to get in sales. And so they, they work with a company that that sells into that space or services it. And, and yours is such a great story, but I love how you started off by saying you had no hard sales skills. So help us, help us understand what was that like? This team of, you know, optimistic, enthusiastic, kind of well-intentioned, but maybe ill-equipped professionals now selling yes. for a software company? Yeah. What was that like? You know, well, this it's funny, you know, this is not a unique story. You know, in my, in my sales coaching work, I have learn just how many young sales organizations there are out there with super mm-hmm. capable, intelligent, great people who just, for whatever reason, don't know of, or maybe they don't have leadership who's really actively teaching the sales tools. So, I mean, I, I was I was telling you before we started recording, I mean, there were just so many, you know, when I look back, kind of cringeworthy moments of, uh, <laughs> you know, getting a prospect on the phone and just monologuing at them all the amazing thing that Artsy does without ever really digging into their needs or even, get, you know, getting taking their temperature as to whether or not they were even mildly interested in what we had to offer, you know. So, and it, it was funny, you know, early on, I remember thinking like these monologues, these feature dumping monologues, there's got to be a better way. So I started looking online and I found the 19, I believe it's early 80s sales tome uh, sale um, called spin selling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I brought it to the team. And there's something so funny to me about bringing this like 80s sales book into this like hot, upcoming, like glossy venture back tech company. And we all just ate it up because that was the book that taught us, oh, like you need to ask questions. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you actually need to learn something about the person that you're selling to before, b- before you start to sell. And that was really, I'd say, the beginning of developing something resembling hard sales skills. And then finally, you know, the company brought in a really seasoned head of sales about, I think it was probably a year and a half, two years in, who coached the hell out of us, put really strong best practices in place, you know, encouraged us to bring our personalities and ourselves into our, our calls with prospects. And that's where we and, and you know, I as a salesperson really started to soar. Oh, wow. So you've, you've hit on, on so many things there. You've talked about the leadership and the coaching, the, the authenticity and bring yourselves to it, bringing that professionalism. So if, if you had to pick something, so if you imagine yeah, that opportunity to speak to someone in that exact same position, they have deep domain expertise, they've just joined a team, you know, they've been there for a few days and realized, oh my goodness, they don't know what it takes to sell. What, what would be your advice? Where should they start to kind of change or correct that situation? You know, that is a, that is a really good question. And I think, you know, what was available then, so we're talking like, six, seven years ago in terms of just pure access to sales knowledge, be it through LinkedIn or webinar or podcasts, that that's what I would advise a young seller to really throw themselves into now. 
I didn't even know where to, I mean, I don't think that stuff, that kind of content, that kind of knowledge sharing was even happening then. Um, so I'd say to, you know, to anyone who finds themselves at this moment, you know, in an organization where they've got big hopes and dreams and they've got a really exciting product, but the, the you know, the, the sales coaching, um, kind of or process that infrastructure isn't there. I would say like, start a LinkedIn account, start to follow some, some really kind of inspirational and in the know thinkers, download some podcasts, um, you know, search for the, you know, the top and trending and most talked about sales books, because I think that we're in a moment right now, especially even amidst COVID where people are just so Mm -hmm. open and human and willing to share and connect where there's more knowledge available now, I think, at least in the realm of sales than I've ever experienced in my professional life. I love that tip. And that's so, that's so uh, apt because there is just so much knowledge out there. And, and separate from the fact that we're actually recording a podcast, it, there's a myriad of sources out there. So I love the, <laughs> the suggestion overall. Um, you had some fantastic advancement at Artsy and you spoke about the coaching that you received and you know, how we first met in our first conversations really do revolve around, you know, that coaching and, uh, the folks who who've seen your profile on LinkedIn know you're working with the Sales Enabled Society, Girls Club. Uh, you mentioned Sales Gym earlier. What what inspires you to move out of selling inside the arts community, which on the surface looks like your passion, mm. into this this mentorship and coaching? Because again, it feels like a little bit of a change. But you shared a bit of that again before we were recording, so maybe you can help our audience. You know, how how did that? Where did that realization come from? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. About a year and a half ago, I was asking myself a lot of questions about the direction that I wanted to my professional life to take. And, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I could live a life where my career was just a job. And maybe that would be okay. You know, I have a great family life, great friends, a beautiful community of people. And, and I think, you know, that's really where you know, in the hierarchy of what's important to me, those are the things that matter most. But I was also vaguely aware of the fact that, you know, a lot of people were doing what like they were deeply passionate about and what made them feel thrivy and, and, and kind of a state in a state of flow. And as I was asking myself these questions, I picked up this book called Designing Your Life. Mm-hmm. And have you heard of this book, Joseph? No, this is new to me. Yeah, I, I am literally looking it up on Amazon now. I love learning about new books. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a best it's a best-selling book, but what was interesting is that it was written by two former Apple product designers who were essentially they they built a class at, at the Stanford D School. It was one of the most the most popular and well-attended classes in the last 20 years. And it was built around a series of exercises that taught people to apply design thinking to thinking about how they wanted to build their life. Now, I want to just preface this, especially with all that's going on, to say that having the time and the resources to even do this kind of thinking, I recognize is a privilege and a luxury. So, I, you know, and I, and I know that, that not everyone is in a space where they can take a big pause and, you know, kind of do this internal work. But what I did is, you know, I started reading through this book, doing the exercises. And essentially what I was trying to do and what the book was encouraging was to make connections between the moments in your life that you have felt the thriviest. What was happening? What were you doing? Who were you with? What was your environment? 
And what's funny is what bubbled up, and this was not what I expected, you know, what bubbled up is something that anyone who knows me would have said like, yeah, of course. But what bubbled up was that, oh, wait a minute, when I was directing theater, I was trying to coach authentic, connected, grounded, you know, emotionally resonant performances out of actors. You know, when I was working with artists and running this arts organization and and representing artists, I was helping them to find, you know, to really find their way to, you know, to, to shape their direction, to, um, to grow confidence in their voice. And then similarly at Artsy, you know, once I became, you know, the top performer on the team and felt like I really hit my stride and knew what I was doing, I almost instinctually turned towards similarly developing other people. And I felt Mm -hmm. a kind of fulfillment that I hadn't necessarily felt from just pure sales. And making all of those connections together, it was like this kind of radical aha moment where I was like, oh, yes, c- coaching, of, of course. <laughs> and then, you know, it was like, is it life coaching? Is it, th- is it sales? But sales is just endlessly fascinating to me from an, uh, the perspective of human influence, emotion, you know, emotional intelligence, r- relationships, human relationship psychology. And that's where I really decided to plant my flag, which is what brought me to Sales Gym where I, where I was coaching, um, you know, teams and, and individuals for the last year. I love how well and how passionately you describe that journey. Uh, at Yuvara, we speak often to our, our students, our recruits about you know, articulating and finding your why. And mm. it sounds like you did exactly that and turned it into an amazing career and a role. That, that's so amazing. I, it's funny, you know, I wasn't even sure, like I said, that it would be it would be possible. And I remember thinking, all right, bees are put here to pollinate. Like, what is my pollinating? And I, I honestly feel that it is it is coaching. So regardless of what, you know, where I land, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing that, you know, for paid, unpaid, probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. So, so we need, need to, to ask you, you read this book, you've come up with this idea yeah. of your, your, you know, pollinating your reason, uh, all of that. How did you end up connecting with sales gym specifically? So, so you've got this vision. How did you make it real? Good. That's a good question. So I, I started working with a career coach at the time. Mm-hmm. who encouraged me to follow my curiosity, irrespective of kind of biases or doubts. You know, we all have those voices in our head when we get curious about something, giving us a, a myriad of reasons of why we shouldn't pursue change or explore a certain path. Mm-hmm. But I found Sales Gym on LinkedIn. They were posting for a sales coach. And uh, their approach, which is inspired by how athletes train, this idea that you don't just develop skills by reading a book about them or being told how to do them, which is how so many, uh, you know, in our industry, how so many sales skills are taught. It's almost like lecture style. We'll give you the goods and then go off and do it. But what Sales Gym does is they break the entire sales cycle down into these bite-sized pieces, and the coaching sessions are less analytical, and they're really about getting you into practice. Getting the stuff in your in your in your bones, finding a way to really articulate you know, verbally. We talk a lot about sales messaging there, you know, the in a in a way where you know we, the the essential skills that are needed to really move the sales conversation forward at each stage of the process. Trainees and coaches get to get to practice that, so they come out of their sessions with us feeling like, all right, I've done this. Now now I'm going to actually try to use this stuff in real conversations. And when I when I found out about that approach, I thought, man, like this is exactly what I wish we had had at Artsy, and that's what you know got me excited and and encouraged me to really pursue and investigate what Sales Gym was all about. And 
the interview process was super interesting. You know, I had to like leave a voicemail on a random number saying why I was the best person for the job. And then once I got past that, I had to do this mock coaching session where I learned a sales gym skill and had to call into another number and actually coach it (laughs) over 15 minutes and like help, you know, help this person get better at the skill. And it was only then after jumping through those hurdles that I actually got to talk to the team. And it was one of the, you know, the best, most game, um, teams, you know, that I've, that I've ever had the, the privilege of working with. So, you know, it's a bittersweet moment for me, of course. That's, that's, yeah. Bittersweet sounds like the, the right description. Uh, I, I love the way you've described it. And I think it's so interesting that, uh, our connection, you know, came from, uh, one of our, our recruits who herself is so into, uh, physical and athleticism. Uh, she's a national level competitor in powerlifting. And so, seeing her journey getting into sales and wow. hearing that echoed in how you speak about the coaching and the practice is uh, so appropriate. Uh, it's almost poetic. I love wow. it. I did actually didn't know that about her, but it makes sense because on my headline, and it still says this, it says, you know, bringing athlete style coaching to sales teams five to 5,000 or something like that. So I could see why as an athlete herself, that might've jumped mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So this is, this has been really good. I, I know I said I wouldn't keep you too long, but I've got a few, few more questions I want to yeah. hit you up with. Yeah, shoot. You have been in this incredible journey, you know, deep into the arts, learning how to sell, succeeding in that, becoming a coach yourself. As, as you look back at all these accomplishments, you know, what, what jumps out to you as a highlight? What, what accomplishments are you most proud of? You know, I, I, I was thinking about that but, you know, bef- before we hopped on the call. And I think you know, taking the time, as I shared with you, to be really deliberate about, you know, think, reflecting on what made me excited and thriving and fulfilled. And then, you know, p- putting those pieces together and thinking, all right, like how, how can that activity express itself in my professional life? I think that of all of the things that I've done to date has, is the thing that I'm most proud of because I think, Joseph, that when what you do, what you believe, what makes you feel good, what helps others, what your values are, are all aligned, I feel this kind of, I mean, it sounds really grandiose, but like this power from that. (laughs) And there's something about living in that really aligned way. If you can get it, if you can find that thing, and I feel fortunate enough to have found it. And I know that I wouldn't have necessarily gotten to where I have had I not really just taken a beat to do the work to figure out what it is. That's so great. Um, And and maybe that answer is, is... Similar to how you might answer this next question, but if we're casting our eyes forward, um, and I love how you referenced the book, Designing Your Life. I I pulled it up while we're talking here, and the tagline there is uh, how to build a well-lived and joyful life. Um, That idea of a well-lived life, if if we cast our eyes forward 10 or 20 years and you're looking back, what will you have done? If you you look back and say, hey, my life was well-lived and Mm. and joyful, Mm. what, what do you still aspire to accomplish. Yeah, so so this question I think really just taps into my values as a human, you know, in and outside of sales. And I think for me, if I can raise my son who's now a little over two and a half to be better than me. And by that I mean more generous, more empathetic, more sure of himself, more emotionally attuned, uh mm-hmm. more um 
you know, someone who speaks out against injustice. I mean, really, for me, that will be the thing that I will be most proud of. And then behind that is like a great partner, a great wife, a a, a, a friend that's there there for people. And I think you know, one a sales leader that I really enjoy um, following is is Kevin Dorsey, and he talks about like live better, sell better. And I think there's a really important connection between you know, the way that we choose if, again, if we, if we have the luxury of choice, you know, to live our lives and the, the satisfaction and joy that we can derive from our working life. Absolutely love it. Um, you have had such profound answers. I've really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> it's really good. I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, she's done so much. And I, I need to read this book and figure out how I can have a similar impact personally. <laughs> You're so doing others. great so, things. You. You're doing amazing things, Joseph. <laughs> okay. I've got a couple of rapid fire questions yeah. for you. Uh, and then we we can let you uh, let you get back to, to all the impact you're having. Okay. Uh, tools. Uh, we always get questions about tools. So what's mm. been your favorite sales tool? Hands down, LinkedIn for the the network, for the knowledge, for the community, and then from a sales perspective, just for the ability of being able, in some ways, to to if if your prospects are actively posting and sharing, to really get in their heads, and then leverage that and and use those connections that you're able to make, um, commonalities, ways of thinking to um, you know make your your selling conversation even more resonant for them. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, that's very focused on the, the the kind of the the buyers or personas, but now let's step out of selling motions. You know, thinking about you outside of that work, uh, movies. What's been your favorite movie? Oh man, I mean, this is going to be really obscure, but it's a 1950s film by the Japanese film director Ozu, and it's called Tokyo Story. Oh, do you know it? I don't. You have to tell us why well, is this your favorite? It is. It is just a profound kind of meditation on families, on the relationship between younger children and aging parents. And it is just, it's one of those movies. And in fact, in Europe, you know, where I went to school in England for film, it's it's always battling Citizen Kane for like the number one movie of all oh. time spot. And it's just, I mean, it's slow. This is not an action-packed film by any <laughs> means, but it's, it's pure poetry to me. And I, I try to revisit at least once a year. There you go. I've picked up another another book and another movie. This is great. Um, okay, la- last one for you. I'm ready. Uh, we started with where you went to school, but let's cast our minds back even further. Yeah. When, when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be? Okay, so I, I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit. I mean, I wanted to be a movie star, I think, but I took I took <laughs> these these like long multiple choice fill in the bubble career tests, you know, that some of us do to identify the mm-hmm. thing we should do. I took them two years in a row, so a year apart. Both times, Joseph, guess what I got? I'm hoping it was movie star because that would be great. No. But <laughs> it was oh. it was funeral director. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I leave you I leave you with that. Wow. There you go. Um you know what? Some it's good to understand that sometimes those things are not accurate. <laughs> but look, I mean, there's a lot of empathy required. I yes. imagine to be a great funeral director, and I think empathy is one of the most important characteristics of a great salesperson. So maybe there's a connection there. There you go, Jordana. This has been such a delight. Thank you so much for joining us. So so glad to be here, Joseph. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to our next conversation, and I hope that you find an incredible next step in your journey and 
hoping we chat again soon. Ah, me too. Thanks so much. Take care.